Welcome back to the Hey Roadie podcast, where we take a deep dive into the people of the Ocean State. We are your hosts, Nick and Sasha. Hi, guys. Welcome to my voice again, because the last episode, you didn't hear me in an intro. <laughs> she got booted. I got axed. <laughs> no, Nick, you did a great job without me. I, I, you really carried the team. Yeah, it was fine. You did I mean, a great job. Spur of the moment on my phone <laughs> recording on a voice memo. So um, I'm proud do. of you. You did a really good job. Um, but hi, guys. It's nice to see you, hear you, be around you again. Um, today's episode is really fun and really special. We have Elise press major if that name doesn't sound familiar to you well you've been living under a rock no i'm just kidding that's our editor-in-chief elise um so she works um with us with nick and i at our magazines so providence monthly the bay hey roadie so rhode island did i say all of them <laughs> yes <laughs> i just always have them in a different order when <laughs> i say too. them okay do you so know that you did that you did that in odd order and i was like wait a messed second you up. do you know why because i was looking at so on our table uh, listeners the magazines are on our table and i was doing them based off of the order they are on our table and it messed me all up um so anyway so she's the editor-in-chief of our four magazines um she is such a lovely person she has such an interesting background um from moving to providence she had a, a huge passion for like the punk and music scene um yeah so it was really fun just like getting to chat and like getting to know more about her and more of a like a not a professional level but like a history level history level i'm ron burgundy (laughs) Uh, no yeah it was it was cool we got to chat with her about things that we haven't really i mean we've touched base on some of that stuff like in just kind of personal conversations but never really gotten down to like the nitty-gritty of it and we did also uh when we started this we said like oh we should have you know as we move along we should have like a couple of employees from the company on so like you know we can the whole idea is for you know you as a listener to be able to get to know the owners or founders or whoever that is yeah. behind these places that you love to go, and hopefully you love listening to the show um, and, listening and reading and like <laughs> the the magazines and might like to know some of the people who are buying the magazines as well. Besides just us two, besides the two of us, even though we're the we're the most important we're people the, ever. Just kidding. <laughs> so important. We're so important, guys. Um, no, but it was so much fun. Chatting I'm important. With- I'm not. <laughs> Nick is the most I'm important. Im- Nick is the most important. Elise is probably the second most important, and I'm probably the You're tenth. Very important. I'm probably the tenth important. Not um, important. A little important. Anyway, guys. How many times can we say the word important <laughs> in this intro? So this episode was really important. Who remembers who we were talking about? <laughs> Elise Press Major. Oh, there we go. Who just so happens to have the coolest name to work at a magazine. Like Elise Fact. Press Major is like pretty. It's that's a major name to have. <laughs> you just punned the hell out of that and i love it um so yeah it's been it was so much fun chatting with her it was like we were just saying like it was cool to like learn more about her from like a biography standpoint than just like shooting the shit like on a monday asking how your weekend was like hearing about like how she came to providence and like her passion behind music and all that sort of stuff so it was really cool i i, I was really happy with that we got to do this yeah, me too. And I think everybody else is going to enjoy it. Uh, it's not a crazy long episode, but I think it's pretty entertaining. Uh, Elise has a kind of a 
a passion to her when she's talking about oh, things yeah. and she gets excited about stuff. And yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. think it's contagious and everybody will enjoy uh, the conversation. And if anybody's listening to this episode and wondering why I might not be like my normal exciting self, it's because I didn't have any coffee today. I mean, I've since had a coffee, but when we recorded this, I did not because I had a dentist appointment. So I was like, I feel like I wasn't my normal high energy self. And looking back on it, Looking back on like five hours ago, I'm sorry for that. I think it was fine. It was fine. It was but, good. And I had so much fun, but I just didn't have coffee yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. This is actually, this is a, it, what's it called? The Easter egg for Easter a next egg episode. The I next didn't episode. have coffee yet. Mm, mm. What's that mean? What does that mean? Mm, you'll find good out. God. All right, guys. This has been too long. <laughs> We're rambling. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I hope everybody enjoys the episode. I think you will. Um, I think everybody's going to love Elise. And, yeah. Like uh, we do. Elise, we love you. Yeah. Enjoy. Have fun. So, are we good? Yeah, we're, we're recording. I feel, like ABR, I, need to, baby. I feel like I need to get coffee because I feel like I am, my energy level is a lot lower than it is normally. And I'm very sorry for that. Nick and I are way caffeinated. You guys are more caffeinated than I am. I'm alive. <laughs> I am just not feeling um, as caffeinated as I should, which is not good because I maybe I'll eat a cracker. Maybe that'll help. So, Elise, hi. Hello. You're here. I'm so excited to be here. How does it feel? I love it. You do? Yeah, I'm so proud of you guys with this podcast. It's awesome. Ah, thanks. Elise. I am. You guys are awesome. I love how you just created this from. You just thought of it, and here it is. That's Who, who's the one on? I think it's on Publix Radio. That's good to be here. That's what I think of every time. I can't remember his freaking so name. But every time somebody says, happy to be here, I just think, good to be here. Good to be here. Um, well, I'm always happy to be here. I love podcasting. It's a lot of fun. And I'm happy that you're here. Me I know too. we've talked about it for a while, having you here. So I think it's awesome. I think that you are such a big part of our magazine, obviously, being the editor-in-chief. But I also think that just as part of our team, you're a, our, our, a cheerleader. You're always there to support people. You're always there to, to offer advice or to talk through anything. And I think that, like, teams need that if Aww. they don't have it it's it sucks <laughs> i'm getting a little teary <laughs> well okay so everyone um who's listening we have elise press major That's which me. i think is the okay out of all the names that you could have as an editor-in-chief is press major like the best it's close to it i feel like what could be better than that i don't know newspaper <laughs> Hello, my name Hello. is Elise Newspaper. Elise Newspaper. <laughs> well, people have asked me. They've there thought is Magaziner that, out there. So that that's true. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. Press Magaziner. <laughs> that would be cool. Change your name. I know. Well, people have asked me, is that really your middle? Is that really your name? Yeah. Or is that just like your little moniker or yeah. something? And it's like, nope, that's my maiden name is Press. When I first got here, I thought that that was like a fake like Instagram name. Like yeah. I just thought it was like... You know, like it's my handle. It's your yeah. I thought it was just like your handle, not like your real name. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It and is then cool. to marry someone, I mean, I know press is more, you know, closer to this, you know, magazine, whatever, whatever. But like major too, like major news. That's true. Like that's you know what I mean. It's good to have names that are nouns, right? It is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Instead of names that are long ass names like Nick. Yep. Or mine, that's just like a bunch of first names. It's just like. <laughs> I'm the first name name person. Yeah, the new the new last name they added an S to the end of it, so they're like, yeah, well, it's not a first name; it's got an S on it. So. But it's always guy first names because my technically Sasha, like in like German and Polish like heritage, Sasha is a boy's name. Right, my, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yep, my middle name, which I don't know if you guys know, is Gabriel. Which is a boy's name. I didn't know that. Yep, after Peter Gabriel, the singer. Really? Yes. And my last name, my, my, my maiden name was Martin. 
So Sasha Gabriel Martin, all boy first name name. Wow. You're like a triple boy threat. I know. What you can the just hell? say it's like Gabrielle, and then it's a good girl's name. No. <laughs> is that's not what it is? It's Gabriel. That's cool. I feel cool. I'm that like, is yeah. really cool. Very biblical sounding. Well, it's after Peter Gabriel, who is a fun singer. So my dad was obsessed with him when oh, I that's was fun. When I was born. So anyway, anywho, anywho. anywho. So Elise, um, I know you're not originally from Rhode Island. So where are you from? That is correct. Um, <laughs> I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You were? I was. I didn't know that. Yeah. My family moved around a ton. Uh-huh. So we lived there till I was one. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Illinois. We lived there for like four and a half years. Then moved to New Jersey. Jesus. Then moved to Massachusetts. <laughs> then moved back to Illinois. Then finally i guess settled in fall river massachusetts and then i moved myself to providence i love that why did your family move so much my dad's jobs uh, so okay i guess you know he had i think when he was in providence well my family was originally in providence my two older sisters were born in providence okay my dad grew up in providence went to hope high school oh yeah so very cool went to providence college and then he was in the insurance business or something. And then, like, my mom's uncle had, like, <laughs> you know, a job for him in Minneapolis, like, yep. in the motion picture industry. And so he moved there and took that job. And then the story is that my mom was homesick and he kept taking these transfers to get closer and closer, closer. to the East Coast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So we moved around a ton when I was growing up. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. We, I, I'm, I mean, it was all Rhode Island, but I moved a lot. Also, when I was a kid, like, yeah. I think I went to, like, seven elementary schools. Yeah. Like, just all over the place. Even it's- now, if I hear a song on the radio, I can tell you what date it is because I'll remember, like, oh, I was, th- you know, I was seven and I lived in New Jersey. Yeah. And I remember hearing that. So, like, I put it all together like that. So, yeah, I've moved around a lot. And did you, so you just said that your dad worked in motion pictures yeah, at some point? Yeah, he did. It was more like film distribution. Uh-huh. So, it was all, like, back office kind of stuff. But, like, even as a kid, we got to go see, like you know, screenings of movies and I got like all kind of like fun swag. Yeah. You know, he had like lunches with people who were like famous at the time. So, you know, it's just kind of that was fun. Did you always feel like, I mean, obviously you're an editor and we'll get into like your role and your title and all that stuff. But like at, at the heart of what you do is like writing and telling stories. Did you always know, like even when you were a kid, that that's what you wanted to do eventually? And do you think that that had anything to do with it, like moving around a lot and stuff? You know, I don't know. I never. That's a great question. I never thought of that. But it's funny. When I was like eleven, I made a little newspaper called the Fun Day Times. Oh and my god! Yeah, my dad would bring it to work and make photocopies, and I think it was all cool because I had like multiple copies of my newspaper. That's very cute. And I would write little stories, but I think it wasn't ever like something I thought. Oh, someday I'm going to grow up and be like a writer. I used yep. to want to be like an illustrator for Hallmark cards. Oh, you know that was my like childhood. <laughs> That's so specific. I know. <laughs> illustrator my, for Hallmark. Cards. For Hallmark card for Hallmark cards. That was like my childhood dream. I can see that though. I could see that. I know, like draw mice and stuff. So. <laughs> Chicks. <laughs> but then as like you know, I got older. Like those things just sort of like fell by the wayside. You mm. know. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool that I did come back to like writing and all that stuff. Yeah, the Fun Day Times turned into Providence Public. <laughs> exactly. Close. My own Fun Day the, Times. The little known origin. <laughs> um, when you, okay, so when you moved, <laughs> when you finally came back to Providence, yes. you were like college age? 
I was. Well, I had gone two years to UMass Dartmouth. Mm. I had joined the radio station, uh, which was then called WUSM. Um, and it was like a punk alternative, you know, college station. And mm-hmm. I just got so absorbed in my radio show that I was like blowing off classes, like to fill in for shifts. And my grades- You were rebelling. I was. My <laughs> grades were horrible. And I remember I was on academic probation. Oh my God. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Oh, I was an awful student back then. And meanwhile, I knew that my best friend was kind of having a similar situation like at UMass Amherst. And mm-hmm. I said- want to move to Providence for the summer. And it oh. just turned into like never leaving. So I was only like 19 okay. when I got my own apartment in Providence. And then my life just took a big pivot. Did you, when you came to Providence, um, like the first time when you were 19, where did you live? <clears throat> like what area? My first apartment was over near, oh, it's Near the Coca-Cola sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like, like the Coca-Cola bottling company, like yeah. Olneyville kind of area? It wasn't Olneyville. It's, um, gosh, sorry to be like having some dead air here. but No, like, it's all right. But like on the west side. in front of a park. No, it wasn't even. It was no? like at the end of Chalkstone. Ah, okay. Okay. okay so it was okay. right there. It was just yeah, like yeah. a very in a cheap apartment. In fact, this is kind of funny. But um, so we had a third floor apartment and we had no furniture because this was just like two rebellious i don't even bad know if, i don't know if you'd even call us that because it's like we were like the preppiest like people used to call us the happy high school students you really? know the happy high school girls because we were just like very silly and clueless and yeah. now we have this apartment in providence and no furniture <laughs> and i remember like a box of my sweaters was our chair and um we really it was just kind of crazy and uh we we both got like a bunch of jobs and Wait, I forget what I was saying. Oh, oh, the funny thing about the apartment was there was no heat or hot water. They wouldn't turn it on because like a pipe was too close to the wall. So the landlord wouldn't get it fixed until we paid his rent and we wouldn't pay his rent until he got it fixed. So like the whole summer. It was like chicken. You were playing chicken. Yeah. So we had no heat or hot water. So every time we visited a friend, we'd be like, can we take a shower at your house? (laughs) Excuse me, can we use your plumbing? I mean, total hijinks. In fact, when I was, then I went back to school at Rhode Island College and I had a screenwriting class and that was like, I wrote about that summer. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was just full of hijinks. (laughs) 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 You know, like, just full of hijinks. I love that. Yeah. I mean, the first apartment I had when I moved out of the house was in Providence in that same area. Yeah. It was like near Coca-Cola Cola Bottling Company, like maybe two roads up from there. Yeah. Uh, and it was a terrible apartment. Yeah, it was, it was a terrible very, It was apartment. really similar. We had issues with our hot water. Yeah. We had mice. We had just like, there were cool. people break would break into houses along them and everybody was like, ah, who cares? It was like four dudes in a house and we just oh, said, I know. whatever. There was no place to park. Yeah. Every single night I got a ticket. <laughs> sometimes I checked off the box. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't. Ended up getting the boot. Like I've oh had my God. I've had every Providence rite of passage. I've had my car stolen. Like just oh my. everything. I my first apartment was very opposite of both of your experiences. I lived so I went to college in Boston. And when we moved out of the dorms, we got it was me, my best friend Ryan, who's still my best friend to this day, and then another girl, Jackie. The three of us got like this really beautiful luxury apartment in East Boston. It was three floors. It had it was all brand new, had washer dryer in the unit, like it had a back patio. Like it was like 
bougie living for like a little like 19 year old college student. Nice. But it was because we were splitting it and it was in East Boston. So like at the time, East Boston wasn't like a huge place for like apartments. Like people lived there, like lived there, lived there. It wasn't like all college kids. So you there. weren't sitting on a box of sweaters. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And we had like really lucky, like we, we got uh, my grandmother donated a couch and we had like, I don't know, it was very cool. Yeah, I think my room in our apartment was like, so they already lived there. And then I moved out and moved in with them. And I honestly don't think the landlord knew that I lived there. Like that we had one more person than you were supposed to have. Awesome. And like my room wasn't even real. I think it was supposed to be like an office. There was no closet. Like uh, it was a tiny room. My bed barely fit in there. Like, <laughs> Well, that's so funny that you say that. So, you know, like the typical Providence apartment where there's like, you know, the, the first room, the middle room. Yeah. The, you know, I'm not even sure how you'd explain that. But like we had a third roommate. It was this guy, Bill Keogh, mm-hmm. who um, we've actually. Shout out Bill Keogh. Exactly. We featured him as an influencer before. And he's got a sandwich named after himself at Jeff's <laughs> Sandwich Shop. I know. So fun. So his room really wasn't even a room. It was supposed to be that front room. <laughs> and I think, did he hang a curtain? You know, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of funny. I like sometimes I think about it like where I am and I'm sure you guys do the same thing too. Like you think about like where you are now and I like, you know, I love my life. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, man, how did I survive? I know. Like just like being a kid and like, you know, like, I don't know. It just is weird. Like I was, I lived in Cumberland, Rhode Island my entire life. And I was like, bye, I'm going to go live in East Boston by myself with my two 19 year old friends. Like how I I would take like the train by myself. Like all hours of the night i would like walk by i don't know i just like, i mean that's how it. i like, felt you yeah. know like me like the year before you know what did i have some little job at a movie theater and the yeah. next the next year i'm like living in providence on my mm-hmm. own i got like four jobs mm-hmm. you know like it's like it's i remember like even opening an, a checking account i didn't even know how to like fill out a check some lady in line helped me oh my god like talk about like a clueless kid shout but- out lady in line <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Thank you for teaching us how to do a check. I used to have to get money orders for my rent. Oh yeah, because I would I worked at a, a, a restaurant and I would get all this cash and instead of like putting cash in a bank account and then like using a check, I would just take again like a freaking dumb dumb dummy. I would have like a wad of cash walking through the streets of yep. Boston, like, yep. trying to find the money, yep. whatever the money order place. Like, hey, can I have a money order for two thousand dollars? Like. Oh, my God. But it makes you resourceful, I think. Like, it's, totally. it's funny because, like, even, like, you know, I'm the parent of, like, two boys mm-hmm. who are 19 and 21. And I'm always trying to walk that fine line of, like, pulling back so yeah. that they become a little scrappy and resourceful themselves. Yeah. I feel like I- I'm very scrappy. I feel like you're scrappy. Yeah. You can say that. <laughs> We're a <laughs> scrappy do. Yeah. I did a lot of dumb shit that, that <laughs> probably should have killed me when I was younger. Exactly. Not even, like... Way prior to even moving out on my own into a crappy apartment, we used to like ride our bikes to the bus stop at like 16 and then take the bus into Providence. And our parents had no idea we were in Providence for like the entire day. We'd go to Boston for the day. And Shout out to Ripta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, it's funny, like um, there was like this meme or something like that that was like, how like how did our all of this generation survive? Like every weekend was spent like in the middle of a random field in the woods, like drinking like Burnett's. Like oh, yeah. basically rubbing alcohol. I mean, that was every generation yeah. up until like this one yeah. now where yeah. it's just all helicopter parents and the yeah. kids all get colds because they never got to eat sand as a kid or I something. I love eating sand. <laughs> Shout, Shout out, out to sand. sand. Shout sand out. life. Hashtag sand life. 
Okay. Anyway, sorry, sorry. This is tangent. Um, no, I love that we're all getting. I mean, we've known each other for a couple of years now, but like this I is know. a whole new level. It's yeah, so right? fun, right? We should always talk with microphones. I know, right? We should always be recording. Every time we have a meeting. What is the, exactly. what's the word? Always be recording. ABR. ABR, baby. ABR. Always be recording. Anyway, so one thing that I'm super interested because I feel like I've heard little spurts about it. Like I've heard you mention it here and there. Yes. But like your whole punk DJ scene. I want to know all about that. You got to you got to fill us in. All righty. So when I was in high school, I started to, you know, listen to punk rock music. And I thought it was so cool. Like it was one of those things where I'd listen to the college station and write down like who was, you know, I get just very immersed in it. And then um, when I did a radio show at college, I just loved the music so much. And I was always going to Providence to see the bands play. And then I eventually had a boyfriend who was in one of these bands. Um, Mike, shout out to Mike Yarworth at Neutral Nation <laughs> in Neutral Nation. Um, so it just seemed like Providence was like the fun place to be. Yep. And even though it was like only like say thirty minutes from Fall River or like forty five minutes from New Bedford, it just seemed like very far away and like different. Worlds away. Worlds away. Yeah. And it almost felt like when I moved to Providence at like nineteen and got my own apartment and had all these crazy jobs. It seemed like that's what everybody else was doing. I felt like yeah. everybody else came from their little town and was doing the same thing. And most of us used to hang out like at Providence's then premier club, the living room on Promenade Street. Oh my God. <laughs> the big bubble living room. And it really became like a home in a way um, on certain nights. Yeah. You know, like if there was the nights that you liked your bands, you know, that was the night you were there. But if it was like, say, another night, like the Grateful Dead night, like I wasn't <laughs> there that night, you know, but like the, the family that owned it, the Heen family, they like the mother used to cook dinner for the bands that would play. Oh my God, that's awesome. And they, she'd serve them in the back. And sometimes my best friend and I, Cindy, you know, we'd be kind of hanging around and they'd invite us back to have dinner. Oh my so God, like with the band, with the band. The, oh, so, so cool. you know, we'd be like eating like they're like, pasta yeah. you know she'd have all these little things set up so it really felt so safe in the strange way mm -hmm. um and then my roommate bill keo would dj at the living room and then when he needed somebody to fill in because i was already doing a radio show you know me and my milk crate of albums i would fill in for him and then when a new club opened up called uh the rocket which then became club babyhead which oh is God. on richmond street <laughs> like babyhead! i yeah, when it was the rocket, I was the um I used to DJ mostly Wednesday nights, Fridays and Saturdays. Oh man. Yeah. Those and, are rocking nights. And I had like a full time office job. Oh my god. But like sleep didn't matter to me. And yeah. if I wanted to go see a band play in New York City, we'd go, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So my whole like early to mid to late twenties was just all about seeing like as many bands as I could. I was a huge fan record collector, you know, at the time I was almost like an AP wire of information mm -hmm. about every band. I read the liner notes. That's why even with our music columns now, yeah. a lot of times I've, I'll do like a little section that I put in called liner notes because ah. I always love to read like who produced it, yeah. who did the artwork for the cover, mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like that's kind of lost for me with like, you know, getting music on streaming services or even CDs. Yeah. But when I was like, when you buy an album, you just sit there and you read it. Like, that's what I used to do. It was like an event. I had a new album. I would sit, I would listen, I would read. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was like, and, and 
the punk rock scene, you know, it had just many facets to it. You know, there were like the local bands and then, you know, you might like British punk and then you might like the L.A. scene. And then even bands like, you know, R.E.M. that were more melodic and jangly kind of got bunched into that whole thing. Yep. So it wasn't like everything I listened to was like, oi, oi, oi. But, you know, it was all like in that vein, you know. It's funny because we talked to um, when Kristen Dombo was here, we were talking about how, I mean, obviously, I think everyone can say that they love the fact that you can get music anywhere at any time so easily. But there really was something so special about going to the store, buying a CD or a cassette or a record, whatever, however you were listening to it you know, taking the pamphlet out, looking at all the songs, looking who wrote the songs, looking at the images that went with them, hearing the songs, how they were supposed to be listened to in order. Absolutely. Like now you listen to a new CD that comes out, you shuffle it, you don't know, you know, it's not listened to how the artist probably intended to. Absolutely. And I mean, not, I mean, I, I say that, but I'm that's how I listen to music. But there's something so special. Like I remember, like for me, like I love the Killers. Like they were my first favorite band as like in eighth grade I remember getting hot fuss and like thinking it was so cool and like just staring at the cover and like reading all the lyrics and memorizing the lyrics and like knowing every single song frontwards and backwards and that just doesn't really happen anymore it's kind of sad yeah I remember getting bummed when like so getting CDs and you know pulling out the the jacket and having they all had all the lyrics on them and it would be relatively thick it'd be like a 15 page thing that they kind of stuck in there and then i remember getting bummed like as time went on and you'd get a cd and you'd open it and there would be just like a bifold in there and it had none of the lyrics anymore and Mm -hmm. you didn't get any extra stuff with it and Mm -hmm. i was like we're still paying this much money and we don't even get the lyrics anymore and that (laughs) was my my complaint give me the lyrics i need to know the lyrics i did i i enjoyed that part i liked looking through it and i mean also artists now i mean they make money similar to how like a stand-up comedian does where you mm-hmm. have to tour. You yeah. have to just tour and tour and tour. And I mean, granted, they made that most of their money that way before anyway, but you had a lot of supplemental income from yeah. your record sales. And now it's like pennies per thousand downloads or something yeah. that they make. It's and they crazy. can make decent money doing it, but maybe 1% of them do. It's all just on touring now. So, And I remember for a long time, I always have like these little weird like causes for myself, but like I wouldn't even let myself buy CDs for the longest time. Mm. Wait, like you would only buy a record? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the, the transition into digital and everything being, um, you know, kind of cloud-based and on off the internet has kind of put a resurgence. Granted, it's not huge, but a resurgence on vinyl yeah vinyl sure. oh my god i vinyl we, cells are out pacing cds again when so. we got we got a record player like a few years ago and i remember we got the record player and we had like two records and then brian got me like the new at the time new lemonade album from beyonce and it was like the album itself you know was obviously they're big it was yellow it was so cool like oh, that's oh my god it was amazing and now like we'll buy each other records i don't remember the last time i bought a cd but we've bought probably like at least 20 records in the last two years because it's fun it's like and you find one special like right like you're not going to get like some obscure artist that like only he would listen to like it has to be something you both like and something that like other people could listen to if you played it so it's fun to kind of like pick through that stuff and listen to busting out a christmas album once a year brian's listen brian has a christmas album that he recorded himself when he was drunk (laughs) sometime you'll listen to it um do you remember so my dad is like super into music he's like I can't even tell you how many like records, CDs, cassettes, 
it would feel like an entire house. And I know this because anytime he moved, I was tasked with moving the CDs and the records and the DVDs and whatever. Um, But I remember it was really fun when I was a kid. We'd always go to Tom's Tracks on Thayer Street. And that was like my, oh my God, my favorite thing to do because I thought that that was so cool because no one else, like in, I'm I'm from Cumberland. There's no other kid from Cumberland being like, yeah, my dad's taking me to Tom's Tracks to like get the new Metallica CD. But like I was. That was very cool. It was cool. Flipping through the records. Do you remember Tom's tracks? Absolutely. It yeah. Because cool of course, I when my first job in Providence was I had to work on Thayer Street. Yeah. Because so. back then Thayer Street, you know, now it's a nice, you know, it's still a commercial thoroughfare or whatever. Yeah. But back then that was sort of like, even though it was kind of like goofy and trendy, it was like where the punks went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were at least like at three or four record stores at all times. So like for me, getting my first job on Thayer Street was like the pinnacle. That's so cool. And then whenever I would get paid, you know, like as you could a, spend it all at the store. I spent it all like on more <laughs> records. I love that. Where do you still have like a record player? I do. It's all in the basement, I mm. have to say. Um, and all my records, this is kind of funny. So when I would take them, like I would assemble like a milk crate mm-hmm. every night to bring it to the club. Talk about being like young and goofy, like <laughs> I'm walking downtown with a milk crate of records at night. Um, but my cat, I had a cat at the time, Fuzztone, and she would always use it as like her scratch post. So the top of all of my albums are all ripped off. Oh my God, that's so funny. It's Fuzz really Tone, fu- what the heck? Yeah. She was cramping your style. She was named after the band, the Fuzztones. That's very funny. I know. And that's so very fuzzy. It's so funny because people would know me at the club and they would just be like, Fuzztone. You know, because they'd see my baby. albums like all ripped up at the top. That's so funny. Um, So I, it's so funny because to know you now, how you are now, you're like that, is Epitome? the right word of girliness epitome epitome is that we talked about this before one of those words that you've only ever read yeah i don't know yeah (laughs) epitome like you're the epitome of like floral girly cute like that so to hear that you literally were like you know djing punk rock and i'm sure you had the style to match i would assume i Um, think i was like a punk rock barbie okay 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 no more like Salvation Army Barbie. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, and I also was very influenced by like Brady Bunch style too. Mm. So it was always like mini skirt and t-shirt. So you weren't like wearing like the big baggy pants with the fishnets and the chokers and stuff. So you were still you. It was like cute. Like I had like black satin ribbons in my boots, Uh, lacing up my boots. Like it was sort of like a cute spin. A little more like grungy than It was grungy but cute. Yeah. Almost like, let's see, what's that band like? Um. I can't think of their name, but like, yeah, like a girl band kind of look. Okay. So there was, cause I'm, it, it's so hard to imagine you as you are now and then thinking of you like being like, bah! yeah, still me. Like, still and, you. and you I'll still, still... If, like, sometimes a band will still get me to come out of the woodwork and it's I just like, that. still me that's screaming so and dancing cute. at the show. Oh my God. That's so cute. Yeah. So you obviously like, so you went to Rick, you have a DJ, you have a DJ, you were a DJ. Um, when did you start realizing like what you wanted to do was be a writer and work for publications and stuff like that? Like when did that start happening? Excellent question, Sash. Thanks. Um, that's interesting. Well, after it's funny when I went back to college, I went to Rhode Island College, and I really had no direction, but I knew I liked to write, mm-hmm. just like it was probably one of my better classes in high school, and I based the whole decision on that. I'll be an English major. Yeah. And so um, through being an English major, I think I really started to discover, you know, through creative writing classes, like, you know, oh, I, uh, it's funny, I remember writing, having to write a piece, and I wrote it about, like, 
shaving your legs. And it almost sounded like something that would be in like a women's magazine. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is, I'm really comfortable with this kind of voice. Yeah. But meanwhile, after college, I ended up falling into working in film and video production for a couple of years. And while I was doing that, one of my steady gigs was sort of like helping this woman with her production company. And I would write press releases for her. And I started helping her with newsletters and things like that. And I felt like it, I just kind of fell into that very easily. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years of, of doing that, I felt like I needed just a regular solid full-time job. And I ended up applying for this uh, public relations and advertising position at a financial services company. And I got the job and I just felt like I learned to do everything, you know, newsletter writing, press releases, copy, you know, uh, just all kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And after that, if I'm not going on too much, no. um, I left that job when I had my first son mm -hmm. to sort of be a stay-at-home mom. But then also that's when I started freelancing and I just started like, you know, doing all sort of like PR and communications work. And that just kind of built from there. Um, but I think what really happened was when my boys were little and I was home with them all the time, I'd get kind of bored. Yeah. But I always liked to do crafty things with them. And so, you know, they would be making something crafty that looked like, a, you know, Star Wars. But like mine started looking very pretty because yeah. I'm like surrounded in this household with like boys, Legos and Star <laughs> Wars and everything's like black and blue and red. And that all, that's when I feel like all of a sudden I became drawn to like the florals yeah. and the pinks. And in like 2008, I started a blog just to like chronicle all these little pretty crafty adventures. And I used to try to write it in what I would call magazine ease. Mm. You know, I wasn't writing like I was trying to make it all succinct and snappy like a caption. Um, and I just started to get, a, I don't know, like some nice feedback from people. Then I started to like pitch some ideas um, about tutorials to this magazine. Oh, no. First, I sent a letter like a, from a reader to this magazine called Romantic Homes. And it was about like how I loved cottage style because my boys could like do a crash landing of the Millennium Falcon on the coffee table <laughs> and it really wouldn't matter. Yeah. And they published it and there was nothing like that feeling mm. of getting published in a magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, now that I had this contact, I first I sent them a big thank you present and I put all these little presents in it that I had made and they loved them so much. They're like, oh, we'd love to photograph these for a tutorial. And I was like, hey, could I style shoot and write it? Ah. And that led me to doing like dozens of published tutorials for Romantic Homes magazine. And one day I thought, you know what, I might have enough of these projects to like put together a book proposal. And so that's when I ended up putting together a book proposal. Yeah. Um, and publishing my first two books that were craft books. So it's yeah. all been very like, and then after a while doing the craft tutorials, I was like pitching stories about, you know, like maker people, like makers in Providence. Mm -hmm. And they would be like, okay, take a chance, write it. And I'd ask a friend who's a photographer to do the photos for yeah. me so that I could just send them the whole assignment. It was all, again, very scrappy and organic. And then next thing you know, I was just building this portfolio Mm -hmm. of writing work mm -hmm. so um in a roundabout way that's, <laughs> it's, it's all been very like organic and yeah. meandering yeah it wasn't like a straight line it wasn't like this is what i want to do but mm -hmm. um yeah one thing leads to another yeah, yeah and i was just very open to it and i'm always i've always been very like do first like think ask later kind of yeah thing. what is it like ask for 
Forgiveness, not yeah. permission. Yep. Better off asking for forgiveness and permission. Uh, so yeah. I just kind of <laughs> kept rolling along and I'm building this big portfolio of work. And now the boys are old enough that I should get a full-time job again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just really wasn't fighting the right fit because everyone kept saying to me, with all this this body of work you've done, you should be somewhere like Better, better Homes and Gardens. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, that's great, but I'm not moving to Idaho. Uh, no. So when this job became available, mm-hmm. it was... I couldn't even believe there would be this job to be the job at the company that we're at at now. Providence mm-hmm, Media. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even believe like I could be working in magazines in Rhode Island. And look at you now, girl! Oh my god, the queen of magazines of Rhode Island. I, I absolutely. <laughs> when I say it's my dream job, I'm not kidding. Ah, that's so yeah. I love it, that. And it brings together like all these experiences I've mm-hmm. had from the writing to the PR to the photo styling to the even like the music like getting to assign writers to write about shows and yeah. write about like the community like there's so many different aspects of from your past that all sort of like lined up perfectly yeah even for the music column you know I like to make sure that, like the bands that they in- we include are you know kind of edgy I've, mm. I'll suggest friends from the old days that are still like having Love shows that. and yeah you know what are your t- the two books that were published what were they well the first one was tinker treasures and it's a craft book yeah and the second one was a follow up called seaside tinker treasures and then a third one from a different publisher was something i collaborated on called uh with 50 ikea hacks i love that one i love the ikea book i mean i love all the books but i love like ikea is so fun so yeah well like- i also needed furniture at the time so it was good to <laughs> i kind of did that book in a strategic way it's like my couch is falling apart i guess i'll take this on i guess i need this but at one point there were like four couches in my living room and really it was, it was like tv night it was kind of fun though did they <laughs> you like- couldn't walk anywhere but everybody had a couch did you have to buy that yourself or did they give you money to buy that stuff they gave me the money oh good yeah you didn't just have to buy four no couches. but i tried to do everything as on the cheap as i could yeah, once i had the two yeah. couches once i have the couches everything else is fine exactly when you like go to publish a book how does that even like how does that work well first i people always ask me how do i get a book and i'm like first find a publisher that seems like it fits what you want to do and then find out their submission guidelines yeah so for me like i worked on that first book proposal for like a year you know like i i you know it it, i knew it was going to they're their format is like 35 projects. So I knew like I need to make a list of 35 projects. I need to write a couple of sample chapters. I need to do some research on mm-hmm. like who would they would market this to. You know, um, it's a lot of work involved. Yeah. I mean, now I've heard like people are like, I'm an Instagrammer and they want me to write a book because I have so many followers. But like for most other people, you're putting in a lot of hard work and mm-hmm. research. Yep. And then you're shopping it around and like the first publisher I sent it to I got a rejection and the second one gave me the green light wow that's so, so cool yeah so it was that. it was really exciting yeah and didn't you have like your book opening or whatever in Paris or something well my publisher is the first well they're both in London but my first publisher's in London and it, the book was released on Valentine's Day I had a friend that just happened to be living briefly in London so mm-hmm. I knew I had a free place to stay <laughs> So I'm like, how can I not go there for oh, like London? I don't know why I thought launch. it was Paris. No, but when I was in London, I'm like, and how can I not go to Paris when I'm so close to Paris? <laughs> so I just, and it's so funny because my husband was like, we can't all go to London and Paris. And I, my sister was like, I'll go. And you're like, bye. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, later, dudes. See you later. Exactly. You get to live my girly like trip of my dream. Oh my gosh. It's still like, I can't really believe any of this has happened. It's pretty cool. And I'm excited. Yeah. It's a really cool trajectory. And then to like land here at 
a local publication that like I feel like um it does a lot of good our publication um Providence Monthly all of them I just think that like it gives voices to small businesses to small organizations and you kind of lead that up which is like pretty freaking awesome well I've always that's always been like if you will my platform mm. Even before I was at the magazines, a lot of little businesses knew me yep. because just for fun, I would, this was before everybody was like hashtag whatever, but I would just kind of show up on my lunchtime or whatever, take yep. photos at like businesses and cafes and just post about them because I just liked it so much. And even the articles I was pitching to the national publications, I was writing about people in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. So it really just did come together so nicely yeah it's 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 funny how like i feel like when on the sh on the show with all of our episodes and all of our guests it's a, a lot of people like have like an idea of what their life is going to be and then it turns out so different but it turns out like so much better than you could ever have imagined it be you know what i mean like it's i know like i feel like five the, like the term five-year plan should like just go away yeah because i think just kind of like follow your heart and just stay true to like what makes you happy mm. if you can. Mm -hmm. And there, there are some steps along the way that are not so fun or happy. Or pretty. Or pretty. <laughs> but I guess that, you know, they're all part of your story and just keep kind of moving along. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. You know? Same. <laughs> you are <laughs> an amazing general manager. Oh, thank you. Honestly. But I mean, the I never knew what the hell I wanted to do. No. The same thing. Like, they, this... I have weird rants on on things that we do, but I'm not going to go into one completely. But the idea, like this system of like, uh, you're a kid in high school, and you know you get out around 18, and then you're supposed to go into college, take on the thing short of a house that is the most debt you will ever be in, mm -hmm. that you cannot get out of, no matter what you do, with worse interest loans than a house. Yeah, and <laughs> know what you want to do for the rest of your life at 18. Like your, uh, this is a ridiculous side note, but like your uh, frontal lobe isn't even fully developed until you're 25. So like your actual like full cognitive ability isn't even in place until you're 25. Oh, mm -hmm. for sure. And I so like, and then we ask 18 year olds to make these decisions. It's like 18 year olds are kids, man. No, I, t I tell my boys, you know, college is not a trade school. Mm. You're in there to like learn how to mm -hmm. think, mm -hmm. expand, you know, like. And then you can be poor like me and daddy yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> doing what we love. Right. Yeah. 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 But, um, or go to like get your gen eds and then go to a trade school. Like yeah. once you've done a couple of years and maybe you've tried some different things or get your gen eds done, go work for a little bit and then go back to school. Like, I mean, I also, uh, I didn't, I hated high school. Like I just hated school. So you, I didn't think I was going to go to college at all. Mm -hmm. So I left high school, went right into the workforce. Like, working at a warehouse and then managing a warehouse and then got laid off from there and then went to go work at like uh cvs warehouse like boxing uh building pallets for freaking stores and it was awful and mm -hmm. i was like you know what maybe i should go to college that'll do it that'll do <laughs> and that's it. the only thing that put me there and then i had to just try to take a guess at what i would do i was like i know i like arts Let's look into yeah. something oh that's so got same to do with, with it so you know? similar with me because i was working full-time in an office yeah this is when I'm like, you know, the club life at night and I'm like, sit, you know, sitting in the office during the day. And I just remember like thinking about my boss at the time, like I'm so much smarter than this. Yeah. And that made me go back to school and even wanting to get my education. I still really wasn't sure what to do. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had better guidance, would I have been like a communications major today? I don't know. Mm. But 
You know? I feel like, well, something that I've noticed a lot, like the last like year, maybe two or three years, is trade back th- talking about high school, like trade schools are becoming way more popular because, good. which is really good because not everyone, the, 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 the cookie cutter that you have to mold yourself into to go to high school, do well, be on the top of your class, get accepted into a four-year college that you have no idea where you want to go. That is not the same for everyone. Not everyone should do that. And not everyone should be forced to think that they have to do that or, or they're weird yeah. or they're not smart or they're whatever. So having the opportunity, like Brian, for instance, like he went to a trade school. Like he did end up going to college, which was great. But like he, if he never went to college, he would have graduated high school with a, I don't know what the term is, but like he was like a mechanic. Like he yeah. could have. Certificate usually. Yeah, like a certificate to be a working mechanic. And so someone like Brian who hates, also hates school and is not like the type of person who wants to be studying and wants to be sitting in a two hour lecture, like there's options. And I think for, at least for me, when I was growing up, the people who went to trade schools were like not smart. If you went to the trade school, you were stupid. And I think about it now and I'm like, man, that is so stupid. Some of those kids are are like, you know, like somebody who's a plumber. Yeah, that's what I mean. An electrician. electrician, They make so much money. And those, those, but we're, I just think we're so like our society and when I grew up, it was so ingrained in us. You have to go to, if you don't go to college, a regular college, a four-year college that's not in your wherever, you are stupid. I know. The value, well, the values are all messed up. It's so up. crazy. Yeah. So there's like, there's a couple things there too. It's like, yeah, our societal norms kind of push people into like boxes that mm-hmm. are like, uh, because this is, all right, I'm going to go on way too many times here. But <laughs> Shout I'll out say, to Ron Swanson. No, but like the, uh, like our educational system was originally built to create people to work in factories like Mm -hmm. that's what the high school education system was made for and we still treat it like that but now our factory is pushing people into college so they're in more debt yeah and then it furthers the school systems Mm -hmm. but there's a huge skills gap there was like uh whatever a couple years ago i think it was like 27 million jobs or something that didn't have anybody to fill them because nobody was going to trade schools and you again like just like what you were saying like it was like looked down upon it to be like super looked down. a mechanic yeah. or a plumber mm-hmm, or an electrician. Mm-hmm. And those are all so vital mm-hmm. and you can make oh. really good money doing them. And there's and so a needed. lot to say yeah. for like so honest, hard work too. Mm-hmm. Those, some Those people are the happiest people. Even for me, like obviously I'm not going to go to school to be a plumber. I mean, if you knew me, you'd understand why. Um, <laughs> but like you could go to trade school and you can get your cosmetology license. Yeah. Like there's so many different options that you can do but i just think and i and i'm happy that now in in the world we are now trade schools people are looking at trade schools as like a it's good to go to a trade school like it's you can get a high school diploma and you can get certificate in whatever you decide in the trade this is such a lot this is the weirdest thing i've like <laughs> no, ever gone it. but it's just crazy like i i think back and i look back at like how i was brought up and you know like my dad went to school my dad's a chef my mom didn't go to college but everyone around me was going to colleges and was getting acceptance letters and they were going out of town and they, or they were going here and they were doing this. And I felt like I have to do this too. If I mm. don't do this, I'm the black sheep. Like I need to well, do this. Well, it's scary. It's scary. It's like the unknown if you don't. And even mm-hmm. when I had left school after two years, you know, you're sort of like, what am I doing? I'm floundering. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's, there's kind of two layers to it too. One is that now because our kind of societal norm pushes everybody into college, there's a million fly-by-night colleges that honestly nobody really cares if you got a degree from there 
Uh, I'm not going to start naming any, but there's just a million of them. Along with some of the online colleges are awesome, but some oh, of them yeah. are awful. Mm-hmm. But you get you don't know that going into them. And then there's also things like um, fields that get pushed. So let's say computer science or something like that. Um, or in my case, graphic design. Um, there's only so many graphic design jobs. So many people want to do it and think they can do it. And you also, just from you know my experience in the schools, you graduate for your ability to do the thing, not how well you can do the thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I graduated with, obviously no names are going to be said, but or I graduated <laughs> with, or also I, I was a tech assistant at New England Tech and would help people. And everybody had a firm grasp on using the programs and you know what they needed to do, but they didn't necessarily have like an artistic mind. So like they're, Nothing was incredibly impressive that they were doing, mm-hmm. but they could do it. So, like, I guess you you could move on, and there's no flack to it. But doing something in graphic design that doesn't require a lot of a creative mind, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of kind of assembly line jobs that you can do, you know, making pamphlets, doing things like that, whatever, cut, paste, done. Um, but the there's fields out there where like you're not graded on how well you do the thing, just that you can do the thing. Yeah, so then right. there's a lot of people with these degrees that don't really mean They're that not great much. At them. You have to be able to prove that you can do it. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I, I think they're the whole push toward higher education is a good one. Like you should continue to educate yourself, but there are fields that I just don't even think it's worth it. Well, I just think that the narrative should be changed. Like if college and continuing your education is something that like works for you and it's something that you can afford, you don't have to like literally go up to your eyeballs and loans and you know Hi, like that's me yeah it's literally yes um i just think the narrative of the whole thing like i think it is changing too because it feels like everyone now not a hundred percent but i feel like it's a little bit more accessible to be like hey i'm a girl and i love math where like when i was in school oh my god if you liked math like it was weird like oh like what do you mean you like math like you know what i mean like now it's 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 acceptable to be different if you want to go to a trade school. It's good for you, like good for you for knowing that you're not you don't want to go to a, a four-year college or maybe you're not decided yet. Maybe you're going to change your mind, but you want to have something in your back pocket like just in case, I don't know. And I'm also like a big proponent like going to a state school. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I went to Rhode Island College. Whoop, whoop. And I paid for it myself, so I did graduate with a little bit of debt, mm-hmm. but not a lot of debt. Mhm manageable debt that I was able to pay off in a couple of years. Which is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And really, I mean, I think that just gives you, I'm always such a booster of Rhode Island College because I feel like you can get such a great education. And I honestly feel like it doesn't matter where you go for for most things, Mm -hmm. because it really, it's all about like your, your own fortitude, like what you make happen for yourself. Yep with that degree 100%. wherever it's from. Yeah, I think the the biggest issue for me with college in general isn't college itself. It's the fact that the cost of college has gone up. I think it's somewhere on average since the early 80s it's gone up like 8 or 900% and the commensurate pay that you get from going to college has gone up like 4%. Yeah, it's no. Bad. It's like so, people graduating have to live at home for like years mm-hmm. to just it's like having a mortgage, you know, and I feel yeah. like I, I'm trying to do everything I can so that when my boys graduate, they're not saddled with that so they can like start life. They can do something. Or travel yeah. or whatever they want to do. Yeah. And positions like I think it's like I haven't seen these numbers in a long time, but I think it's something like positions, say, 20 years ago that made $60,000 make $60,000 now. Yeah. It hasn't, like, hasn't changed. Yeah. 
It's crazy. But you just dig yourself into a ton of debt to be able to get this position that mm -hmm. you can't even pay for your student loans with. And it just doesn't make sense. No. Well, even like the state, the state school conversation, like I, so I grew up in Cumberland. All of my friends were going to out of state schools. I should have gone to Rick. I should have gone to Rhode Island College. I did not come from a family that had disposable income to help me with schools. I, you know, like j there's so many things, right? I should have gone to Rick. I should have gone to CCRI, then transferred to another school. But everyone around me was going to out-of-state school. So I was like, I am not going to be the one person who's staying here and going to a state school. So I went to a private school in Boston that costs so much money. It didn't even graduate because it was so expensive. But like you think about it, like if I had just not cared what anybody said. <laughs> well, like you live, and, you live and you learn, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and here, I don't regret anything. Right. And but here I'm just, you are. Yeah. But it's just, it's funny to think about like, Man, I think uh, so if you wanted to go, my opinion would be if like you wanted to go to an out of state school because everybody's going to an out of state school, you want to get that uh, experience, experience of not being yeah. your home and 100%. being far enough away mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. Don't go like, uh, I mean, not to poo poo it, but like, don't go to like, if you live in Rhode Island, don't go to Mass. If you live in Rhode Island, go to California. Yeah. Or go to Texas or go to Oregon. Like, go as far away as you can go and be in like a completely different culture or out of the country or something. And don't if you're get not going to do that, stay in state school. And don't get me wrong, going to the college I went to literally made my life how beautiful it is now because if I didn't go to that college, I wouldn't have met my best friend. I wouldn't have, Brian and I wouldn't have reconnected because we were both in Boston at the time. Like, there were so many things. But. You know, now that I'm 30 years old, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Why did I have to do that? I could live without all these. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I couldn't live without any Hind of these people. Hindsight's 2020. Yeah, of it's course. just funny. Anyway, sorry for that long ass tangent. That was crazy. They're fun, though. I know they are fun. So, Elise, back to you. Can we have a sound effect? <laughs> Please. I, mean, I don't think it'll record. It doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't. I don't know if it does. If you guys heard that sound effect, you're going to have to Um. So, Elise. Like, obviously, you're here. You're ed our editor-in-chief. I just am curious to know, like, when you took the job as editor-in-chief, like, what did you envision it was going to be? And, like, what did it become? That's an excellent question. Only hard-hitting questions on the Hey Rory podcast. Exactly. Well, <laughs> when I was hired, Jeanette, who hired me, Jeanette St. Pierre, had told me that there were two positions that had just become open. And it made, it, made them both sound like they were editorial. Maybe one was a higher level than another. So I was like hired to think I'm I'm an editor. Yeah. And then I remember sitting at my desk, you know, I had I'm given an office. So I'm already like fancy. Excited as can be. And, you know, she was like, Oh, you know, you're you're gonna have like the higher of the two positions. She's like, What would you like your title to be? I was like, I don't know. She's like, Well, think about it and let me know. So the next day she or I think Maybe 10 minutes later, she might have called me and said, how about editor-in-chief? I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it was almost, it was like just a beautiful surprise. Mm. And I remember when I first started, I, I really, I, I literally had to like rip apart magazines and hang them on my wall to understand what was mine to do. Do you remember that, mm. Nick? Mm -hmm. Because I had like the life and style sections and different things. And I really had my... I had a hard time wrapping my head around it because, of course, we have the four magazines yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Providence Monthly, Hey Roadie, Silver Island in the Bay. And I needed to wrap my head around what is mine to assign. Yeah. So I, I just had to, like, hang everything on the wall to see it yep. and then just kind of fall into that role. And I remember 
our managing editor at the time, Tony Pacitti, he could not wait to give me cover stories to assign. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) you know, and like, it's so funny. Some of the cover stories I assigned, you know, I, I remember hearing like Jeanette had said later, like those would never be cover stories, you know, but I would be like, Fishing, you know, like football, uh, high school football teams, like things that I thought were interesting or the famous uh, maple syrup research on the URI campus where Nick was like, how do we get a picture Uh, for this? What am I going to do with this cover? We get like two professors sitting on a bench. Oh, my God. I'm sure it came out great, The cover story was really cool. It was just getting a cover out of the cover story. Yeah. A cover image. Which I could probably make happen now. But Mm -hmm. totally, then, I don't think I could have... so Obviously I'm new couldn't. in I'm new in the role. Yeah. Our general manager is on medical leave. You know, uh, it was like months later, like two people gave their notice. I mean, oy, I, w- oy, I was oy. just sort of like really kind of like thrown into the wolves, thrown into the wolves, thrown into the pool, you yeah. know, and um, I've, I've learned so much mm. since then. And I'm still learning because sometimes I get excited and I'm like, this would be a great cover story. And it's like. Not really. <laughs> pull it back. Wrong. Pull it back. Because like, I tend be, to. That'll be me going. It'll be a really cool story. Yeah, exactly. I sometimes need to be pull, pulled back a little bit because I'm always like, "That's awesome." Yeah. But um, but, let's do a story on a flower. You know, one flower farm. No, Elise. <laughs> this is not a cover story. Yeah, but I feel like having your your thoughtfulness and your sort of like optimism of like cool, interesting stuff that maybe other people haven't heard of or haven't seen yet. I think is is something that's really strong for our publications because it is it adds a little bit of a f- different flair you know what I'm I mean? glad I think I mean that's how that's what I think yeah I, I mean I wasn't around for like the fishing or the football story but I'm sure they were great <laughs> I would love read to them learn. online on issue.com <laughs> issuu.com exactly no no um so that's how it started and obviously things have changed big time because of covid and the just the state of magazines the state of small businesses all that stuff so how are things going now knock on wood i think they're going awesome i yeah. mean also i got quiet knock, because knock i got a microphone i know <laughs> um honestly you know the team that we have right now is super strong mm-hmm. i mean we work hard mm-hmm. we produce four monthly magazines yeah and other things the podcast <laughs> social media yeah we try to be at play appearances you yeah. know to get the name out there we this is a small team. We're a and small little team. We work so hard. Mm. And I feel like we all sincerely like each other. Yeah. I feel like everything's out in the open. And I try to, even with my little team and everything, I like to just sort of like, let's make this where we want to be. Yep. Because we're going to work hard. And I don't want any drama. Yep. You know, I, I had heard stories that before I joined, you know, people were crying at their desk. I'm like... I don't want anybody to cry at their desk. No. You know? We're not with this. I mean, I love what we do and I love our job, but we're not like, I, like, I hate this term, but we're not curing cancer. Like, you know what I mean? I like, say that all the time. There should be, you, you know. All, you have to keep it in check. Yeah, keep it in check. Like, obviously things get stressed out. Of course, I think we've probably, I don't know about Nick, but I know, I think we've all probably had a moment where you have a little cry sesh or a little meltdown, of course. But like, that should be like the, what's the word? Like, that should be like the. Not the majority. The exception. Yeah. The exception. Yeah. Like every <laughs> once you. in a while that happens, but it shouldn't be like, oh, Elise is crying at her desk again. <laughs> I know. And I also feel like it's, I liken it a lot of times to sort of like childbirth, like, Ooh. oh, the end of the production cycle. It's so hard. I'm so busy. Did I even brush my teeth? Yeah. 
And then the magazine comes out, and I'm like, she's beautiful. Oh, bouncing baby <laughs> you know? magazine. So it just, it, there's so much like kind of glory in yeah. it mm-hmm. that, you know, you just kind of, my friend calls it like publishing lust too, where yeah. it's like you just love seeing the product. And do you feel like you see a big difference in like how they are now with you at the helm versus when? Not in a bad, not in necessarily like a negative or a positive way, but do you notice the a difference in your you at the helm versus before? Um, I know people tell me that you know they've never looked more beautiful, which is also the art department as well. But I feel like you know maybe ten years ago, yeah, maybe Providence Monthly had a little more of an edge, mm-hmm. and I like to make sure that I don't put too much of my like. Yankee Better Homes and Gardens spin on it because I each magazine has their personality, has a personality yeah, for and sure. I do like to make sure that Providence Monthly still has a little bit of like a little rough around the edges, yeah, which I think we can do with art and music mm-hmm. and the stories that we cover. Um, you know, but you know, I forget what the question is. <laughs> Just like, can you do, do you notice yourself in these magazines compared to like what they were when you first started? Like, do you see like, does it reflect you? Do you I see think it? so. Yeah. yeah, I think they're definitely like a lot of stories that maybe stem from, you know, what I'm what I want to bring to the magazine, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like making sure we aim to be inclusive mm-hmm. or we cover like the smallest little businesses like I had started the Roadie Gem column as one of like my very first initiatives mm. because when I started the magazines, people always said to me, you guys always find the hidden gems. Mm. So it was like, well, what if we had a monthly column and we all decided to call it the Roadie Gem? And so that's something I'm really proud of because we're spotlighting like the teeny tiniest teeny, like tiny little hole, hole in, in the wall. Yeah. And I feel like that's something too. I actually, to answer your question, I feel like when Hey Roadie, for example, was first created, it was meant to be more of like our upscale product. Mm. But I still see us as being more like it's a free publication. I want it to be accessible for everyone. Yeah, I want to try to feature things that are not like super duper high end aspirational, but like things we can all have and yeah. do. So that is something. And I also feel like I try to weave, you know, small business into everything we do. And of course, coming from like shelter magazines it always starts with like a beautiful photo so Mm. I'm so picky about images and I know like I can drive people crazy (laughs) sometimes because it could be like the the smallest story Mm -hmm. but I feel like if if the photo isn't great it's like we got to find something else yeah you want to draw people in and I actually am going to ask that same question to Nick because when you started Right, like you were in advertise. I'm. Uh, you were doing like ads, designing ads, mm-hmm. but but eventually you started to do covers. And did you start to notice your imprint on the covers versus when you first started? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like, what was like, what did that look like to you? Well, I mean, so yeah, I've been here six years. Um, actually, as far as our like production and like editorial and production staff goes, it's just me and Lay who are left. So one of our other um, art department folks, um, all the editors are different than when I started. Um, everybody else in the art department is different than when I started. Um, salespeople are all still here, which mm-hmm. is nice. <laughs> Some um, have come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've recovered a couple. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I started as a regular, just a graphic designer in the advertising section. Um, not to say just, but that's how I, I started. Uh, and then I went into uh, assistant editorial director. 
uh, and then art director, uh, I probably started doing Eastside monthly covers, which are they would get softballed to you, but I found them to be a little harder. Um, what does that mean? They would get softballed to you, as in like they were like the first one that you would do. Mm. Um, I don't really know why. There mm. was just kind of the attitude, like, "Oh, Eastside monthly covers aren't that hard to do," but I found them to be way harder because mm. just subject matter and stuff uh, didn't necessarily lend itself to a cover of a magazine. It'd be a little more political or a little more, um, let's say. Not pretty. Yeah, in the zeitgeist kind of stuff, but yeah. not like a, a cover image kind of stuff. Um, and I would say if anything directly correlates to my style would probably be the Hey Roadie covers. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because I completely re-de- redesigned. We changed the sizes, although I did kind of redesign almost all of them <laughs> at this point. Uh, and then the Hey Roadie was a complete redesign. It looks nothing like the other ones. Um, and, uh, my aesthetic is kind of more like, uh, clean Mm -hmm. and like if you had, if it was a house, it would be a mid-century modern house. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's a clean lines, uh, less is more, um, you know, don't overdo anything. It should all just be kind of more subtle, less in your face type of deal. So I'd say, hey, Rhodey's covers themselves probably more reflect my style, but then also the the interior, the way it's laid out, um, a little more structure, mm-hmm. white space, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely changed. But also, when I first started, our magazines were oversized. Yeah, mm-hmm. weren't they like newspaper material? Or something? Uh, yeah, Not- newsprint on the inside. We've gone back and forth from uh, from glossy to newsprint. Um, we had we never had a newsprint cover while I was here. We had a glossy cover with newsprint interiors. We've gone through a bunch of printers. Um, our magazines were so right now they're about an eight by uh, almost a nine by ten, uh, and I want to say they were like. 13 inches tall. Yeah, they were long. Yeah, they were really tall, like tabloid size magazines. That sounds terribly awkward to carry that around. Yeah. Well, the whole idea was that like at that time you were competing, like there were a lot of other publications on a shelf. Mm -hmm. So being bigger made you stand out. Yeah. Um, As other publications fell by the wayside, we were able to come back to like a normal size, which uh, I mean, I think was just greater all the way through. But I would say from when I started to now, um, they're not quite completely different products at their heart. Like mm. it's still the magazine is the magazine, but the way that they're presented and mm. um, the lack, I think we've decluttered them quite a bit. There's not as much just excess stuff in them that yeah. like was just there because it used to be in the newspapers Abs- or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'd say it definitely, it reflects my aesthetic a little bit more, but then also it's just a little more kind of cleanly and mm. organized. And mm-hmm. to me makes a little more sense than say six years ago did. Well, I think it's funny because when I first started working, I mean, obviously, Elise, you've been here four years. I'm just having my fourth anniversary. Four years. Okay, yeah, my so sixth year was like a week six. ago. Yeah, mine's like next week or something. So I've only been here for two years. I don't know. Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, 2020. No, January over. 2020 is when I started. Oh, okay. So almost yeah, a little over two years. Okay. So like it's funny because when I first started, and this was only two years ago, I feel like we are a completely different product company team everything yeah than when i first started to now and i feel like our team now i mean i feel very grateful very very lucky that i get to be part of this team but it's just funny that like it's cool that you guys actually get to see the the difference from when you started to to now like how different the actual physical magazines are but for me 
I see it like in like the environment and like the feeling and the in the way we go about doing stuff. It's just it feels like a completely different place. And I feel so lucky that I get to be here. It's very nice. No, we're lucky to have you. Ah, thanks. Yeah, great. Ah, oh, thank you guys. Well, I just think it's I just think it's cool. And and like you said, Elise, like we all genuinely like like to be around each other and and even when we disagree, it's like, you know, it's everything is cordial, everything's simple. It's it's I don't know, it's it's a real pleasure to to be here. But we gotta talk more about now that we're going down this another weird tangent. Sorry. Um where like okay, so obviously you're editor in chief. Of these four free publications, Nick, you're the general manager, and you are the art director. Still are, maybe I don't really know. General <laughs> I don't manager, know, I don't and creative know, director. I don't yeah. know what your title is, but and where do you? <laughs> plus, IT guy plus yeah. more, <laughs> HR. Um, where do you see? I know, like a five year plan. We, we're getting rid of that, but where do you see this going? Yourself, the magazines, like what? What are your hopes and your dreams and your wishes for all that? Just to keep, you know, continuing what we're doing and just expanding mm. on it, you know, like and just keeping the print magazines alive with all the other things that we do and just making them stronger. I mean, I've worked everywhere that I've wanted to work and I don't have any aspirations to move beyond yeah. this uh, company because I'm just so committed to what we're doing. And I love our mission of trying to showcase things that are like right under your nose that you didn't even know about in mm. Rhode Island. So I just feel like just continuing this path that we're on. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that, you know, we brought back parties. And now there's a, the podcast and social media. And I just feel like, you know, we really are becoming that like digital media company mm-hmm. that we say said we were, but maybe weren't so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel like we produce such great products. I see us being at this like, and Nick, I, I feel like you kind of feel this is like, we're on like this what precipice of like this some like just getting bigger mm-hmm. you know like i hope so i feel like we're just like it's an exciting time right now it's almost felt like a little bit of a post covid regroup yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where we sort of like we shook out what wasn't so valued mm-hmm. you know and i know for me even like i don't want anything to use up a piece of paper unless it really should be there because yeah. everything's so expensive you know, I mean, gas, it all, it all trickles into like paper and delivery and there, there can't be anything there that doesn't Need to be mean there. something to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I really just want to continue making these magazines like as beautiful and useful. And, oh, and another thing too, is I just really want people to be aware of us. That's also been like a big mission of mine, mm-hmm. you know, to say where we work and people know where that is. Yeah. And Hey Rody is pretty new, actually, because it used to just come out like maybe six times a year as like these special guides. And, you know, we brought it back as a monthly. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, through uh, feedback, we found out that themed magazines seem to be what people really wanted. So we've like just keep expanding on that. So I just want to make sure that people know who we are. We mm. They take us seriously. You know, we're a free publication, but we all have such a high bar for ourselves and for the magazines that I just really want to keep it like esteemed mm. and put it out there even on a national level for people to know who we are, what we do. Yeah. And that, that at the heart of everything, we're just trying to to um, shine a light on small businesses and the reasons why our little state is so unique and weird and wonderful and 
crazy and fun and you know whatever um because i think with all the hustle and bustle sometimes like you don't you sometimes forget like the message of it and it's i feel like our message is just like we love everyone we just want everyone to be successful and happy and i know know what i mean (laughs) i always joke sometimes i'll joke like it's like people magazine but without the tragic story yeah you know it's just all like the good stuff and i also love the idea of people just put down the phone yeah and you know look at the magazine doesn't matter if you have like battery or power. Yeah. It's just always there for you. Yeah. And I like one thing. I mean, I work for the magazine, but I like you'll do like some issues in like the Bay or so Rhode Island specifically. That's like as a local, like take a vacation in your own backyard. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can do that. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. And a lot of times that happens organically, like during the pandemic, when we were just coming out of lockdown, I would take these Sunday drives by myself to like the East Bay yep. and take pictures and wander and visit these places. Well, like a year later, it turned into a cover story about adventuring around the East Bay. Which is so cute. You know, and that that issue means a lot to me because of that. It's almost like my pandemic diary. Wasn't that like the first issue back to? It wasn't, but no. it was. Okay. It Sorry. wasn't, but it was like. In you there. Know, it happened for me mm-hmm. during like most of those pictures were taken like almost like just right after lockdown. Yeah. You know, because I could still visit like these places they because they were outside. Yep. So um and that has always meant a lot to me too, is that even though we're a magazine, we don't have the lead time of a lot of other magazines. And because we are so small and scrappy, we can pivot. So <laughs> I'll never forget like our summer guide that first came back during the pandemic, it had all the restrictions, you know, it wasn't published in March. Yeah. You know, it was published like in July mm-hmm. and it was current and up to date. And I'm proud to say, I think we were like the only publication locally that had like current up listings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like this means nothing to me. Everything's closed. Mm-hmm. It was like, here's what's open. Here's what you can still do. Yeah. And we can do that because we're so small. Mm-hmm. We're small and scrappy. What do you say? Building the plane while it's. Yeah, we're always building the plane while it's flying. (laughs) I love that. That's us, baby. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I love, I mean, I don't want to take too much of your time, Elise, even though we're going to like end here and then go chat more. Exactly. (laughs) But I I mean, we're going on what, like an hour? Yeah, a little over an hour. A little over an hour. That's that's a sweet spot, baby. You know know I can talk, right? That's a sweet spot. (laughs) Um, But no, it was so nice. I'm so happy we made this happen for you to come on here. I was really excited to learn more about like, Elise's history and your, you know, all the things that you've done before here. Um, and there's, I don't know, there's so much to learn and um, I don't know, experience in our city. And and I think you do such a great, I say city, I mean state. When I say city, I mean state in our state. And you do such a great job of, of directing that in our magazine. So. Well, thank you. I am completely impressed just watching how you guys are doing this. <laughs> and you don't even have like a paper with questions in front of you. I'm like, it's all in my head, girl. Oh my gosh, were you ever a waitress like taking was, taking yes. orders without mm-hmm. writing oh my things God. down? The other day, Brian and I went out to a restaurant, and Brian's never been like a server, and he does not like to talk to people like like that. But it was just the two of us. We were sitting at a bar, and I made him this special board was right behind my head, and I was like, you need to sell me a special now. <laughs> and he did it. And he did a really good job. That's there awesome. You go. Yeah. Anyway, again, tangent. But um, no. But thank you so much for being here. Um, you wanna? Yeah, I was uh, always at the end. I mean, opportunity. Uh, obviously, um, 
if anybody wants to read a lot of the stuff that you've uh, that you've written, uh, we have our magazines. You can read a lot of the articles online. You can go to heyruddy.com, and there's direct links to all of our publications from there. You can also go to issue.com, I-S-S-U-U.com, uh, and look up any of our magazines, Hey Ruddy, Sword Island, The Bay, or Providence Monthly, uh, and see them how they would look on the laid out page. But then Elise also has um, some personal uh, Instagram and things like that, if you'd like to kind of plug yourself, plug anything. Girl. Yeah, you can go to the new Instagram account, Elise <laughs> Elizabeth Major. So cute. Because the old one got hacked. The old one got hacked, and I'm still locked out. Screw those hackers. I know. That's right. Your new one's better and greater and better and going to be bigger. Hey, you never Only know. Only good things. <laughs> I know. The new one is all about being jaded and angry. At least like days. physically got a little bummed when I mentioned his Instagram. Like, her whole, I know. Her, her she whole... slumped a little bit. <laughs> but you like, have to tell people because then, Yeah, that's how you, you know? can build it back up again. Absolutely. And for anyone, um, there's a f- some fun events happening. If you see Elise, myself, or Nick, make sure you say hi to us. We love to talk to readers or listeners or whatever. So Yeah, absolutely. We love it. Elise, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, so wonderful. Out. Thanks, you guys. I loved this. Yay! Yeah. You'll be back on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.